Hello. Hello. Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Hello. Hello, everybody out there in streamland. <laughs> You're wet. We're streaming. <laughs> uh, welcome again to Pencil to Pencil, your favorite podcast, uh, broadcasting live on Facebook via the power of StreamYard. Uh, I am your first host, Jamar Nicholas. I am joined, as always, by my best bud and co-host, Mike Manley. Good evening, everybody. Hope you are all doing well in our social distancing uh, <laughs> land of land of distance. <laughs> Wasn't that uh? Remember those splitting image uh, puppets from the eighties? Remember? Right. Yeah. Was, it was was it spitting or splitting image? I think it was spitting image. Right? No, I think it was splitting image. I think it was. Uh, for anybody who may have not been alive when that stuff was happening, there was a period in time where these, I think they were British, right? These these guys yeah. make these full-sized uh, puppets of celebrities and like really like squashed and stretched the caricatures. It was and, like the Reagan era. Yeah. And there was a, a famous Phil Collins video where the whole thing was running through that. It was really crazy. <laughs> I wonder how come puppetry hasn't really come back like that heavy in the States? Well, I don't know. I mean, I still think that they do it, but um, probably more in commercials, I would imagine. Well, we just watched the Leica, the uh, uh, Missing Link, and that was uh, puppetry. That's you know, stop motion. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's true. And people still love the Muppets. Yeah, you know, yeah the, people still love the Muppets. The Muppets are timeless. I um, think it's just because there's so much uh, CGI that people kind of forget about it, maybe in a way, or they it kind of gets blurred somehow. You know. Oh, we may have lost Jamar, or have we lost me? I can't tell. Maybe we just lost Jamar, so he'll be back. Yeah. Oh, here he is. He just blipped. I we just blipped blipped out. Sorry about that. Yeah, I, I was just talking about the uh, the crash genie. I guess I just got visited. Oh well, you know, uh, I've been streaming, uh, as you know, with. Uh, Two of my buddies, uh, John uh, Hebink and Scott Cohn, and a couple of like Chris Marin and a couple of other people, uh, just to sort of make a virtual studio, which is kind of how uh, John and everybody used to hang out on my studio back in the day. Mm. And so we decided, well, this is a good excuse to try to use this, this you know, streaming to sort of create another virtual studio. Mm. And the thing is, like some days is just so buggy. I mean, every five minutes one or the other somebody's dropping and i think it's because everybody is all well see if it's eight o'clock now mm -hmm. in the east it's five o'clock in la yeah so who knows maybe the network is just being stressed by everybody saying you know jetson i need that report <laughs> mr spacely <laughs> <laughs> yeah um I, i'm still amazed that any of this stuff works i mean just the fact that anybody could go live from their Facebook account 
at any moment, I think is still crazy. Uh, so that's where I'm really glad that we're able to use the, our resources in this fashion. Right, right. Uh, and it's also really rejuvenated the podcast. Like I, you know, I'm getting a lot of really great feedback about what we're doing. Um, Mike, how, how, have you gotten any good responses from the last week of our broadcasts? Yeah, yeah, I have. And in fact, last night I did another uh, live feed uh, with Ed Murr's class at FIT. He had a car comic cartooning class. So wow. I did about a three-hour uh, in-studio, virtual in-studio with a bunch of the uh, students there. So, uh, I, I mean, uh, could you imagine when we were younger if you could have had an in-studio with, you know, one of the artists that you you imagined? I mean, it would be even hard just to see him. Like I'm always saying, it at a con, people sort of take it for granted if you're mm -hmm under 30 because there's so many con conventions yeah just every week there's like five six seven conventions you know mm -hmm. all across the united states well i mean not now because everything's shut down but yeah. i mean you know on a typical weekend in the northeast say from maryland to boston there's a couple cons yeah you know and, and um i mean i don't know we We've been kind of shying away from doing anything too. I don't even say controversial, but I mean, as long as everybody is in agreement that uh, there's a pandemic happening around us, <laughs> and one of one of my favorite things about doing this is it's kind of like a happy distraction, but also we're still working every day. Nothing's really changed for people like us. Um, but like Mike, what do you? How do you feel about? how this may affect the convention scene, like let alone comic books altogether. That's a whole other conversation, but maybe just cons. I think, I think cons are going to be hard pressed this year. I mean, just just be realistic about the way everything is. Let's say there is no uh, vaccine for a year, yeah. 18 months or two years. That's what they were saying, right? Mm -hmm. How can you go back to a convention if since people can have it and not show that they have it. They're not coughing and hacking, you know, walking in with blisters or something, you know, uh, you go to a con and let's face it. Most men's rooms in the convention look like a zoo after <laughs> about the first half hour. Because yeah. men are, just, men are just pigs. They just, you know, they, they just, they'll just piss all over the floor they threw waters everywhere. You don't know. There's toilet papers everywhere. I mean, it's just a very unsafe condition. Though I don't see how, since this is spread through human contact, that's mm -hmm. the way you usually get it the, the most, not even, you know, from a droplet. But right. um, <clears throat> I'm not doing any cons. Till there's a vaccine, I'm not doing any cons. Mm -hmm. You know, and I, I can't see how anybody else would want any of their favorite artists or writers uh, to become ill. I mean, in Hollywood, everything's shut down because they can't afford to have people get sick. Yeah. Yeah. So you go back and you do your production. We're right. We're rocking and rolling. And then, the, the you know, a week into it, one of your major stars gets it and yeah. then croaks. Yeah, that's right. That's a wrap. Right. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I think we just all have to sort of 
take it around the chin and tough it out and pull together. And maybe this time next year, maybe next week, we'll be lucky there'll be a vaccine. But let's say there, there isn't one for a year. Well, that's, you know, I was, I was talking to my, uh, my dad about uh, when he was a kid. He remembers when there was a polio was going around. Yeah. Right. People were afraid of that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my grandparents, my great, my grandma, which is very, it's funny, we'll sort of touch in on something else. So this is my copy of How to Draw Comics in Marvel Way. What? I've never seen that copy before. Yeah. So this is my original copy, which I don't know if you'll be able to see it, which was given to me by my grandma mm -hmm. in 1977. Right? Right when it came out. Wow. All right. So I still have my original, and you can see it's starting to come apart. Um, <laughs> my grandma was born in 1908, so wow. she was 10 years old with the first pandemic. Mm. So she was alive during World War One. I. I mean, she was a kid. Yeah. And then she lived through World War Two. So before she was middle-aged, she had a pandemic, World War One, and World War Two. Wow. Right? And, yeah. the, and the Depression. And the Depression. <laughs> right. Now, yeah. so, so those people who grew up in that time, they didn't ask. They didn't ask for a war. They didn't ask for a pandemic. They didn't ask for a depression. Yeah. You know, my dad was telling me, you know, you couldn't get butter. You couldn't get meat. You couldn't get beer. You couldn't get this. You had to have a book that said you could get how where you could get it, how much you could get it. These people didn't ask. They didn't say, well, you know, damn it, my freedom isn't free if I can't be free all the time to get all the butter I want. Right. What the hell is this? You know, you right. guys are Hitler, right. you know. Right. So I think we have to really back up and 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 realize that if this had happened in 1980, nobody would have been working at home <laughs> except cartoonists. Yeah, no, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, you couldn't telemarket, you couldn't telecommute, you couldn't do all the stuff we do now. So I think we're pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just the the fact of the matter is is that and this sounds weird to say this might be the best time to have something like this. I mean, thinking about the generations before us that had to go to war, and what's that meme say? Like, you know, your grandfathers went to war. All you need to do is stay in your house and sit on the couch. <laughs> and and uh, play some video games all day. You know? Right. Yeah. Like, what do you really have to complain yeah. about? You yeah. Know? Yeah. They're, they're sitting there trying to get their M1 not to jam, <laughs> right? And shooting at somebody where you're going pew 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 pew, pew you know, with yeah. your with your little video game gun, you know. Yeah. So I I can't I can't complain. Yeah, you know. Um, I did. I have one thought before you got all deep. I was thinking about uh -oh. not professionally, yeah. but I was thinking about uh, a comic book convention men's room where, and I'm sure you see this all the time. Before we were in the state how often people don't wash their hands. You know, like say I go to the- I'm a man, I don't wash my hands. Like you go to I the- I just stand and I go and then I leave. <laughs> like you go to the Sixers game and like, you know, there's just kind of like, there's like guy protocol in the bathroom where everybody stands in these lines behind all the urinals and it's very regimented. I would say 75% of the people wash their hands. And that's me. They do. They do. Possibly, okay. it could be a lot lower than that, but it's just like this. 
you know, like I'm not surprised we're in a place where we are now. Yeah. So do you think comic book fans wash their hands more than sports fans? <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. I, I think I'd have to do a study on that. You'd like wash your hands like Captain America. <laughs> <laughs> don't be like the Hulk. Who never wash your hands. You guys, let's do a quick ID. Uh, pencil to Pencil is brought to you by our good friends at Graphicsly. Uh, who produce Clip Studio Paint. Uh, your uh, favorite cartoonist, Jamar and Mike, use it daily. Um, and we just did a contest over on our Facebook page for um, anybody that commented, well, anybody that commented in this post would be eligible to win a free copy of Clip Studio Pro. And I have some winners to announce at the end of the program, so hang out. Um, Mike, we have some questions in the room, and hello, everybody that's checking in on Facebook. Remember, I can't see you unless you throw a comment in. Say hello, ask a question for Mike and myself. Uh, I can't comment. Only you can comment. <laughs> oh, no. Is this the trick of the night? Our good buddy, John Gallagher, uh, says, question tonight. Mike, you worked with Al Williamson and others who did comic strips. What has changed for artists in today's world of strips? And would you want to do your own strip if covered before? Please ignore. Uh, I would say that the real difference is that everything is is required. You have to use a computer. I mean, your script comes over the computer. Uh, nobody sends in art anymore. Everybody scans their stuff. And, you know, Al worked. Uh, the same way at the end of his career as he did at the beginning, you know, pieces of paper, pen and ink, all traditional stuff. He would send in the strips to the syndicate or take them in. Uh, they would shoot them all and then they return would uh, return the strips to him uh, here. But no art ever leaves my house. Um, and that's pretty universal, I think, with just about everything now. I mean, whether you're doing storyboards or you're doing production work. Uh, everything is pretty much digital or scanned in. Uh, uh, they don't have the bullpens. Uh, King does not have, a, as far as I understand, a uh, bullpen like they used to in the old days where um, is, is an interesting thing. I'll have to bring a – next time I'll try to find a, a piece of art. Um, but in the back in the day, you would draw your comic. And then the zipatone dots that everybody thinks of as being comic booky, you know, uh, you know, mm. um, some of the guys would actually put that on the artwork themselves, mm. or sometimes they would take a light blue wash of ink and ink on the drawing where they wanted that zipatone to be, mm. and when they sent it into the kink features or whatever syndicate, mm -hmm. the production person would then get the zipatone or what they call benday. Benday. Bend it and would use right. They would cut it and use rubber cement mm -hmm. and glue it down. So there was the old Benday, which you glued down with rubber cement, and then later on Zipatone, which people still say that name, sort of like uh, Kleenex or Xerox, you know, like a brand name. Mm -hmm. It had the rubber cement on it, so you cut it out, stick it on. In fact, I should I, I'll find a piece. Should find a piece of that to show. Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of my old. My old stuff that I could show people. So that really is the major difference is that I couldn't do this job if I didn't have a computer. 
Mm-hmm. You know, Al didn't. Al never. And none of those guys. Charles Schultz never used a computer to do yeah. peanuts. Yeah. Everything was done by hand. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing it today, you have to have Photoshop uh, or Clip Studio or Photoshop and Clip Studio. Uh, you got to have high speed internet. Um, you know, you you pretty much have to have. That's like basic. Yeah basic stuff even if you still want to do a traditional mm-hmm. and you want to scan it you got to have a scanner mm-hmm. so the 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 publishers no longer want to be responsible for producing the you know having any sort of production other than taking your file mm-hmm. and putting it in another file you know mm-hmm. i'm sure they use some pdf so they take all my strips for the week and there's a little format in their, you know, uh, uh, Adobe Acrobat or whatever, whatever PDF program they're using. And it puts them all in. And then they send that out to the newspapers. Yeah. When I started, they used to send out a actual proof, which was like a high, like a 600 DPI uh, high printout of the artwork. But now that's been completely done away with, and now everything is sent out as a PDF. So mm-hmm. um, that's why um, we usually when you see a reprint of old comic strips, they mm-hmm. exist because somebody had a set of proofs of every week. So like Al had a whole set of proofs of his stuff. He had syndicate proofs of a lot of other artists like uh, Frank Robbins and stuff. So that really the main difference is, is you have to – you not only have to be able to draw and write and do all the other things that you need to do to be a good artist, but then you also have to have, understand and use technology. Mm-hmm. So, and it's, it's like, you don't have a choice. <laughs> we were talking, I think we mentioned quickly last on one of the podcasts, I made a joke about zip drives <laughs> and mm-hmm. just thinking about the technology timeline that even, you know, you've been on, since I've known you, like when I first, when we first started hanging out, I remember hanging out in your, in your computer room, which you just had a line of zip disks and like SciQuest jazz disks and stuff. And they don't, they don't hold anything, you know, nowadays. Oh, now. Yeah. Well, you know, when I bought my first computer in 80, in 94, it had 32 megs of RAM, and they're like, what are you doing? Are you going to put a man on the moon? Now, 32 megs of RAM, that's it. What, one gig of hard space? Oh, my God, that's, you know, I spent so much money for my first Mac computer, and it's, like, pathetic compared to what you can do now. I mean, the the prices have dropped, so the technology is so much faster. Um, but, you know, at the time, that was like, you know, you would go to select an area and you would go fill and then you would go make a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you come back or you hit save and then you go to the supermarket <laughs> and then you come back and it would be saved, you know? Um, and uh, every year it would get a little bit faster, a little bit faster. You know, and now people are so impatient. You know, you see that little beach ball. It's like, <laughs> like the Hulk. You want to start smashing stuff when you see that little beach ball. Yeah, I know. And just that's, you know, you were 
you couldn't really get much on those things if they did work. And Gallagher mentioned the click of death. <laughs> the oh. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah. Uh, and even to the fact that, you know, um, a running operating studio um, may have had a Xerox machine in it. I did, yeah. Right? Like a, like a full-blown Staples, Kinko's Xerox machine because just doing like a, a blowing up work and running things off, you didn't have the time to go down to Walnut Street to Taws to get things. Oh my God. Remember Taws? <laughs> I remember Taws. Well, you know, in, in I got I did an issue of the Transformers at Marvel. It was my first Marvel job. And when I got royalties from that job, the mm -hmm. first thing I did was go buy myself a Xerox machine, like wow. you would see in Taws or, yeah, yeah. or Kinko's, yeah. because um, you needed all the time. You needed to make copies before you would send anything FedEx to anybody. You never wanted to take the risk that you would send the, your artwork out, not have a copy, and then you know the plane would crash or something would happen right. and stuff would get lost, which did happen a few times. Mm -hmm. At least you would still have the Xeroxes. And there was one place in town. I lived in Media, Pennsylvania at the time. And there was this place on Main Street and so I would have to run from home to the place, get a Xerox, and the guy was like, I'm gonna Xerox your wait, wait a minute. Do I do it? Do I do it? Do I what no no the the, the print it out? He printed it out and it would be like set to light. Oh, okay. Meanwhile, you know, talk, clock is ticking, it's ticking, and you're like about to have a an anxiety attack because you got to run from there, still either back home for FedEx to pick up or out to the airport, mm -hmm. right? And yeah. then the asshole would charge you for every copy that he made, even, even the, the bad ones. Even when he screwed them up, you still charge right, yeah. him for them. So right. I was like, this is nuts. I cannot, I cannot deal with this. This is crazy. So the first thing I did was by my, my zero. And I just, in the last, what, three, four years, ago, I got rid I got rid of it because you basically could not buy parts, replacement parts or toner for it anymore. For getting it a service. Yeah. yeah, it made great copies, actually better than stuff you get today. I mean, really nice copies, but that that um, that technology just you know was obsolete. So uh, the last time I had a problem with it, I called the place that I, I bought it, and the guy could not even like scavenge to find parts for it anymore so mm -hmm. yeah but that that's that saved me so much grief by having the xerox machine because you could like do your layout blow it up put it on the light box all that stuff that i would take me you know an hour to go downtown mm -hmm. get the guy to blow it up and he would never blow it up exactly you know the size you needed it or you yeah. know like I said. so uh, it, it really i think it cost me like 36 $3,600, something like that. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I made it made my life so much better. It earned, I, I made my money back on that. Well, even, well, even now, if you had to say send a file to the UPS store, you could do all that online. Like you could, you know, upload your TIFF, 
you know, you show up and you just pick it up because the guy has already done it. You know, everything's very automated now, but that stuff didn't exist then. You, know, you just didn't right. have that option. Um, I wanted to say something about fax machines, but there's a lot of questions in here. I see Chris asked a question, right? Uh, hey, Chris. Um, our good friend Chris Bailey. Now, he, uh, he, okay, he'll go. Chris says, when you ink traditionally, do you ever hit control Z when you make a mistake? Does working digitally make you afraid to commit when you work with ink and paper? Uh, in my case, I have to say no. I was going to try to show you something here. Okay, um, let me know and I'll drop it into okay, the. Okay. Um, no, I think in my case, it, as I'm always talking about, it's really muscle memory. So um, it, the, the main issue for me is that you don't get the feedback working on the tablet that I get when I'm working traditionally. So I know how, like on a humid day, your hand sticks, you know, a rough paper with a certain kind of pen point, you get a certain feel. Uh, you know, when your marker is new or the marker is dry, maybe you want it dry because you kind of get a little feel, you get a different kind of line, mm -hmm. but you can't get that digitally. So, okay, so if you want to share the screen now. All right, it'll pop up in, my, in the John. I'll see you okay. again. Okay, oh, hold on a second. Do I, I have to share it, right? Yeah, and then I can, well, yeah, you, share, you set it up to share and then I can put it in in the broadcast. Okay, hold on a second here. Uh, while you're doing this, uh, JRD says, oh man, I do try to hit control Z when inking traditional, and it's frustrating when it doesn't work. <laughs> um, there's, uh, yeah. Oh, here it is. Yeah, I'm sorry, I was looking at the comments. All right, let me. We've got some inception going on. All right, there you go. So this is this week's uh, Phantom, and um, again because of the whole Corona crisis, uh, Liang, who's been helping me ink the background, she's um, she's working from home. So what I've been doing. Uh, to uh, make this work is I've been doing the traditional. I still pencil traditional because it's much, so that's my pencil. And then I send it to her and she inks the background. So this is again in clip. And then um, I come in and ink the, the figure. So there's the figure. And again, I'm trying to ink it just like I would if I'm inking it traditionally. Um, uh, and sometimes you ink something, and like I said, you know, you I'm so used to my traditional tools and how they feel on the paper and everything. Um, uh, and here's a, I'll show you another one. So here's one. So here is my. So what I did is I used a little swipe because I didn't want to have to draw that damn jeep so uh here is the so i start out and i roughed out the phantom mm -hmm. and then i got a picture of that car and then i got a picture of the where's 
<laughs> Hello. Right, so I got yeah. a picture, found a picture of the van or the the, 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 the Land Rover, and mm -hmm. I roughed in the guys on the top, mm -hmm. and then I roughed in the Phantom, mm -hmm. and then I found a picture. Just I guess again, one of the things about strips, and this is what I learned from Al. So it's like the old Wally Wood thing. You don't whatever you can copy and paste down or or whatever, you know. Um mm -hmm. so I found a picture of a horse. And uh, somewhere I had a picture of, okay, so I found a picture of the wolf. And so I put that together. And then um, then Liang inked the background, or I inked a figure, right over the top of that. So I just, just drew it right in ink. So mm -hmm. if I turn these off, this on, you see the ink. Mm -hmm. So I just drew right on top. I didn't even bother to pencil. I just... Yeah. Uh, just basically drew it in ink mm -hmm. and then uh, she will do the background so mm -hmm. there's the there's the background so there's so if I turn these all off now you will see that's what it looks like I still have to go back and finish the the guys on the top mm -hmm. um, but I mean this is pretty standard you know, you'll find some swipe, and then you cut it apart and put it together. Mm -hmm. Al did that all the time. Every every comic strip artist would do that, mm -hmm. just to sort of save time. So it's like I could draw that, right? You could if I could, <laughs> right? If I could, and at some, and most of the time, I I draw stuff. But something like that Jeep, most of the strip guys would take photos of the cars, and then, or they would find a picture in a magazine of a car, and then they put it in there the old days they would have a projector and they would project it down and then draw it off it was called a lucy or an artograph i had i still have my old artograph this saves the step of me having to trace it and then ink over it i can just give that to her and she can just ink over the photograph mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. so i'll probably go back in and add a little bit more detail in the tree maybe kind of change some of this here so i give it to her and she kind of goes over it. and then whatever i don't like like sometimes i might say oh that's a little bit too busy so i might actually simplify some of this some of the stuff mm -hmm. and that's actually one of the things i really learned from al was actually how to use scrap or swipe or photos mm -hmm. um you know and he was the, he was the master of being able to use multiple sources of swipe in one drawing. He might find an airplane from some old clipping, trees from another thing, water from another thing, you know, and he might draw the figure or he might have one figure that's drawn and then another figure that he shot a photo from. But the thing is, is what you try to do is you try to draw it and you try to work it or draw it in your style. So yeah. it doesn't look like all of a sudden, here's a really stiff, traced drawing right so i kind of learned from him is how to sort of basically when you trace it off or you draw over it because it's actually not tracing it's drawing mm -hmm. over you're drawing it in your style mm -hmm. right because most people think oh you're just tracing it but you're actually not because yeah. what you're doing is you're drawing it and you're interpreting it you're mm -hmm. turning it into a drawing in your style which is not the same as tracing over something so um so yeah so i'm trying to ink this with a with the you know the whatever the i'm using re, real g pen 
Mm -hmm. Right. And I have it set to probably between 17 and 30, depend upon, because I'm working at 600 DPI full size, depending on how big I want the line. Um, so for me, it's muscle memory, rem remembering what it's like to work traditionally that guides my, that guides my feeling when I work uh, digitally. You know, I again, I would prefer to do this all on paper, but you know, let's yeah. do whatever the job demands that you do. Now, Mike, even uh, talking about having a, a clip file or a morgue, as the old guys used to call it, right? Um, which is, I still, we still know a lot of guys that still keep clip files in their houses, right? Or still may go back to the magazines or have a, a three ring binder of photo reference. Um, there's a lot of people now who are learning how to create 3D models of things. And they're basically doing the same things what you just said, except they're like turning. So you need an Apache helicopter and you find a 3D render of a Apache helicopter and then like squish it or stretch it or turn it. And actually Clip Studio Paint can help you with those type of things. How do you feel about uh, this new idea about using 3D models. Well, first let me say, say hello to my mom. Hi, mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I think basically you just have to be able to to adapt and use anything. Yeah. You know, use models. Use uh, Google SketchUp, and you get your Cobra helicopter, and you turn it from the angle you want. If that works for you. Mm -hmm. um, I always think of guys like Gene Colan, who did use photography, but uh, it he turned it into a Gene Colan drawing. Yeah, you know, there's an issue of Daredevil uh, that's really great uh, that has probably stuff that he was very influenced by the movie Bullet. So there's a scenes with cars racing and stuff, and he always had this like what basically like Gene Colan perspective. It's like, you can tell a Gene Colan panel from just part of it, just because of the way he would warp or twist the perspective. It was very personal. Yeah. So I think it's really an individual choice. You know, sometimes you have a job like uh, I know my, our buddy Scott has done toy packaging where they give you a toy and they wanted to look exactly like the toy. So you, if you can get a photo of the toy and you're basically kind of drawn over the toy and you've got to draw every little doohickey on the toy, right? They don't want an interpretation of the toy. They mm -hmm. want the, the toy. exact toy, right? Mm -hmm. Where maybe in comics, somebody like Gene Colan would interpret that car or would interpret the perspective and push it and warp it in, in a very unique way that, that made his work have a, a real stamp on it. So I personally think that that's the best way is to be able to use this stuff as a, as a means to an ends. Mm -hmm. um, but you know, today, if I'm going to sit there and draw that Land Rover or I'm going to give it to Liang to draw, it's going to take long, longer to draw it than it would to ink it. Mm -hmm. And then you got to ink it. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's just a practical thing right it's a practical mm -hmm. thing to use to use swipe which is again what i learned from from williamson you know mm -hmm. and he learned it from john prentice 
mm-hmm. because that's what John Francis did, you know. And when he took over from Raymond on Rip Kirby, he had to match that style, and that's what Raymond did. So all those guys back in the day had assistants mm-hmm. to help them do that stuff. Like when Al did the Star Wars comics, he had Carlos Garzon help him do all that stuff. I mean, drawing C-3PO, R2-D2 is pretty complicated. Those are like really complicated characters. Or the Millennium Falcon, I mean, with yeah. all that, you know, all the, the doohickeys on it. Yeah. Even if you simplify it, just the act of looking at it and going like, okay, what do I leave off? Right. What do I stylize? Right. Mm-hmm. So... Um, that's what I, that's what I learned is like, how to use a photo as an aid, not as a crutch. Mm -hmm. Um, some people are very reliant upon using photos and then when their photo doesn't supply them with the information that they need, you can use, you can sometimes tell the drawing will degrade drastically. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what I really learned from Al's because he could draw stuff. It often was actually cooler than what he did with the photograph, but he wanted a certain sense of realism and believability. He wanted the drapery to look right. You know, if you've got a guy with a gun, he wanted to get the hands holding the gun. He wanted that right. Mm-hmm. You know, he wanted that to be correct. He wanted that to be believable. And the era that he was working in, all the other artists were doing that. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. He had a he had stacks and stacks and stacks, thousands of photographs that he had taken over the years, all the way back to the fifties when he was doing that with Frutetta and you know the, the guys, of, of photos that he had taken for reference, like mm-hmm. the old little old Polaroid folder photos, the bigger Polaroid photos, yeah, stuff that he had gotten shot bigger, you know. Um, so, yeah, I try to use every trick that I can to get my job done and make it look good. Um, how do you feel about, and this is maybe a little spicy, a little controversial, but I know there are a lot of comic book fans who kind of dig on some comic creators who uh, find the act of trying to Sherlock Holmes out how somebody found a pose of something and match them together. You know what I mean? Like they're doing like fanboy detective work. Oh, I saw this cover of Elle magazine and it looks just like that rogue that they drew on that cover. Like, how do you feel about that kind of, I I don't know, it's almost like they feel like they're discovering some secret, but it's just part of the game, you know, part of the the day to us. I, I, you know, I mean. or Or is figure swiping, is that different? Look, the history of comics is swiping. Mm-hmm. The first issue of Batman has tons of swipes by an artist named Henry Vallely that Bob Kane was swiping. Mm-hmm. Some of the most famous panels from the first issue of Batman are swipes from a Tarzan comic, Big mm-hmm. Little Book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Joe Schuster, some of his earliest poses are based on Hal Foster figure drawings from Tarzan. Because mm. Foster did Tarzan before. So there's a history, a long, long, long history, even going back to fine artists where, you know, they would reference somebody else's figure, right? I mean, that's that's standard. Mm-hmm. And so the to me, the point is not whether you borrow a pose, it's whether you make it your own. 
right? It's mm-hmm. whether you make it your own. I mean, the history of comics is tons and tons of swiping in it, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think if you go and you it, – it's one thing to copy a whole cover, a whole composition from somebody else, mm-hmm. and then try to claim it as your own. That's kind of weak, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, for that a swiped, everybody swiped. It was just what everybody did, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't necessarily swipe. Right. But if I got stuck or I wanted to say, oh, you know what? That character reminds me of that pose. Mm-hmm. I might actually go look at that pose. I mean, there's a couple characters I put in Judge Parker that are swiped, let's say, from Johnny Comet, this, this strip that Frazetta did where he did these two weird characters. Mm-hmm. And just to amuse myself, I based those characters on those characters in, in, in uh, Judge Parker, on those old Frazetta characters because for me it was just fun to do that you know yeah to do the character so yeah I, and part of there's a there's a certain part of fandom that always uh, i call them like the fingernail counters they're like ah look at that he forgot the finger the 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 the, the nail on the hulk small toe mm-hmm. gotcha. ruin the hulk he's trying to destroy my childhood mm-hmm. you know there are people like that that are just waiting to write you and go uh-huh i noticed that you know you had three buttons on the shirt today mm-hmm. but four buttons on the shirt yesterday mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, charlatan yeah yeah there there is just a part of uh, a certain part of fandom that i think that, that relishes being able to like try to find something you did and you know, out you, aha, fraud, <laughs> pretender to the throne, or just the nature of the beast that you have to tame daily is the that you have to get through your project by any means necessary, right? That was the whole point of me doing the Krusty Critic column in Draw Magazine. And I would say in there, like, I'm going to review this stuff so you don't buy crap. Because <laughs> you have right. right? Cause you have a job to do and you don't have time to noodle around with stuff that doesn't right. work. Right. And, you know, efficiency is the name of the game. So I, mean, I think a lot, a lot of it is that fans don't know how the sausage is made, right? And can't really understand it unless you actually do it for a living. Uh, some of it will just won't really make any sense. Um, some do, and they really, are, you know, like some people really love how, uh, you know, films are made and really get into the whole lore of the production. But, uh, uh, you know, with this type of job, I mean, it's like it's an, the endless marathon. So you have to try to use whatever tool whatever shortcut you can to produce the work as long as in the end it doesn't reduce the quality of the work to me that's that's the thing i really learned from guys like al and he would tell me that he learned from john prentice or yeah. guys like hollywood people like that i mean you've got to sit down and produce a, a consistent volume of work you've got to try to use whatever you you know um a lot of the guys like stan drake would do this thing where they would show a city, they would go find a picture of a city and then make a high contrast photostat or uh, Xerox 
and literally paste that down so they wouldn't have to draw the buildings. They would turn it into like a graphic. Mm -hmm. Anything, you know, like that. In fact, at the end of his career drawing on, on uh, Julia Jones, Stan Drake used to cut up his old strips and repurpose them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Horrible, because he had these beautiful strips, and he'd go like, I'll take the house from this one, and I'll take the girl from this one, and I'll take the girl from that one. Here's a day. So he would he would go through and he would cut up his old art and repurpose it, which really sad. But you know, by that point, he was wasn't making as much money, and he probably didn't have the assistance like he did. So, mm -hmm. well, uh, I want to get to some of these questions. I hope you can't hear my dog in the background. Sorry about that. Um, What's his question? <laughs> he says, "Bark, bark, 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 bark." Um, thinking about what we've been discussing for the past 20 minutes, and then also now that there's a new curve of maybe trying to satisfy the, the hungry fan who wants more realism and more realism and more realism, and even looking at the early designs of Captain America, right, like the Buccaneer boots that he used to wear, and just kind of like fun, simple you know, a fantastical type of uh, costume design. And now the artists are drawing like 400 eyelets and laces on his boots, you know, cause that's a military boot with the lug sole, which has to slow down your process. Cause that's what, that's how he's designed now. And that's what people are demanding. Do you feel like the the kind of call for this, you know, detail-oriented style these days takes away from it? Well, you know, that's, I think that's a, that's a, that's a great question. And I think it's actually a multi-part question because there's a sort of a multi-part answer to it. Mm -hmm. if you look at the original, the first 20, 30 years of comics, comic strips, it was a fantasy. And even the stuff that was realistic, maybe the most realistic stuff would be stuff like Rip Kirby uh, and some of the soap strips in the 50s. Um, and they were sort of competing with TV shows and film noir and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, superheroes were never that realistic. And it wasn't really until Neil Adams came in in the 60s and sort of brought that realism into it but he was still giving them the buccaneer boots and he was still you know making them you know idealistic mm -hmm. i think what we have now is the fact that uh, something happened when adams came in and then you also had guys who came in after that like wrightson and kaluta and all those guys they tended to have very detailed a much more detailed uh, work compared to, say, some of the people who had more simpler styles in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and fans really reacted to that sense of intensity or mm -hmm. realism, because yeah. nothing actually real in comics. Right. But I think what you see now is the pollution of film on comics, right? The pollution of that detail on the the iconographic uh stylization so right you're going to draw all the the 
the detail in the boots and Captain America is not going to have chain mail. He's going to have, you know, all this armory. Yeah. Yeah. Which works great. It works in the films, right? It works in the films. Mm -hmm. Right. I don't like it in the comics because to me, it makes the, the designs junky. It's Mm -hmm. not as pure comic book to me, but of course I come from that era where I'm used to that older way of seeing things. Mm-hmm. You can't do it in animation for the same reason. It's like it doesn't you could do it in 3D, but again to me it just does not look as is uh as good. Uh so I think you have a couple things going on. You've got film comics influence film, but now film is influencing comics. Mm-hmm. Right? Film mm-hmm. is coming back and the the style are influencing comics. Um, I think Alex Ross kind of gets like the right mix of Neil Adams and the old stuff. Yeah. With his brand of realism, which still I still idealize like like Rockwell and stuff like that, still based in reality. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, that's sort of like as far as you can go. Mm-hmm. But that's again, that's just sort of my my personal taste. I know some people want every arm on Wolverine's hair. Uh, hair on his arm. They want every hair on his arm. They they don't like anything that's cartoony. They don't like anything that's like could be humorous. You know, one of the things that I think for me as a longtime comic book reader of especially like of Marvel stuff, the thing that they've been successful at is it still feels like a Marvel comic. It has a sense of humor. Their movies have a sense of humor. That the stuff had back in the day when Stan was, you know, writing the, mm-hmm. the writing the stuff and 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 which DC's films don't have. They don't have that same sense of of humor. They seem like they're trying to be like real serious. And mm-hmm. there's serious moments in the Marvel stuff, but there's also stuff that's like real comic book. Still has that that sense of feel to it. And I think if you if you make Superman realistic, then he just can't work. Mm-hmm. Why can't he fly? Why why can't he do all that stuff? If you make it realistic, those characters were not based in pseudoscience, you know, they drank some formula or they're hit by some radiation and made them a mutant or something. Mm-hmm. You know, a guy who can just he can not I mean, he used to be an athlete who could just jump, but then at some point he can just like fly. He can just cancel gravity and and somehow force himself to move forward. So right. I think if you if you make it too realistic to me, then it just doesn't work. That's a great, that's a great answer. Um, Mike, I want to give you a chance to catch your breath uh, and we'll do a palate cleanser. Thank you guys for hanging out with us tonight. You're listening to the Pencil to Pencil podcast with your internet bros, Mike Manley and Jamar Nicholas. Um, Also, you lucky Facebookers, you, you get to, you get to see our smiling angelic countenances on your screen right now, and, and listen listen to my vocabulary. Um, <clears throat> but for everybody else out there, uh, we rip this video into audio and place it on our pencil to pencil website, which we now have over ten or eleven uh, episodes now, Mike. <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah, we, we jumped up quick when we started doing our pandemic podcasts. Um, and thanks so much to, uh, I just gave him a new nickname, Stunning Steve Conley. <laughs> uh, 
Conley 316 says, I just fixed your show. Um, you can also uh, listen to Pencil to Pencil, the audio version on iTunes and Stitcher. And um, we may have some other uh, variants for that coming up, coming down the pike. But thank you all for hanging out with us. Uh, again, this is just a fly on a wall style podcast where Mike and I chop it up. And we're getting a lot of great help from our community in the chat room. So, Mike, um, also this is uh, kind of feels like the Jamar interviews Mike Manley hour, but you know I enjoy I enjoy this. If something comes up that I can answer, I'll definitely throw my two cents in. But you know I'm just as much a fan as Mike of Mike's as a lot of you are. So, Pashaw. Um, so Mike, Vincent Stevens joins us. Vincent is an amazing uh, illustrator. He does uh, he draws some very sexy ladies. Um, been a big fan of his work for a long time. And he asks us, who influenced and or inspired you to do this art slash comics thing in the first place? Mike, you got some influences you'd like to share? Well, you go, you go first, you go first. Okay. Um, we, I think Mike and I talked about this off camera the other day, but um, I wanted to be a cartoonist. I wanted to be a strip cartoonist. That's what I grew up really wanting to get into when I kind of fell into comic books. I was never really a comic book fan from the beginning. I was a comic strip fan. Um, at a very early age, I was a big fan of Gary Trudeau's Doomsbury, which makes zero sense as a five-year-old reading the Sunday paper. Um, but I was very enthralled with just how Trudeau uh, created his universe and even his style nobody else drew like, those very weird bracket eyes with the eyebrow connected in the profile shots. Um, <clears throat> I just really wanted to do comic strips. Um, also, I was a big fan of um, Bloom County. Burke Breathed's Bloom County was a big influence on me. Later, Calvin and Hobbes, but everybody liked Calvin and Hobbes. So I wasn't super influenced by it, but I did enjoy his panel layouts, which he was just doing groundbreaking work because that's what he demanded for his space in the paper. Um, but after that, I started to get into comic strips I'm sorry, comic books. And for the longest time, Mike, and you might, I don't know if you knew this, it, I would be hard pressed to tell one cartoonist from the other. Because, what? well, I just, I didn't grow up, you know, going, oh, that's a Kirby or that's Ditko. I've realized later, oh, we have some reverb. I don't know. Somebody's uh, Facebook might be on. I don't know if you can hear that. There's a little bit of an echo. Um, I found out later that I had a really strong reaction to Ditko Spider-Man because I would get the I would get the digests from the supermarket, which was full of old Ditko reprints, and uh, that was re I really connected to that. And then later on, not so much Basima. Like I think I'm a Ditko guy. I think that's what happened to me, and I love Spider-Man. Like you like you? You I mean you're a cartoonist, and I think that. It's like you were showing me Pogo and things that you were really, you were I think attracted to yeah what your stuff and we talk about stuff you were attracted to cartooning yeah right mm -hmm. yeah which is sort of a dirty word in comics in a way now which it didn't mm -hmm. used to be but 
uh, like Jack Kirby would say he was a cartoonist, mm -hmm. but a lot of guys would, if you said I'm a cartoon, no, I don't draw Charlie Brown. What are you talking about? I draw the Hulk. He's, right. he's that was a dirty word for the longest time to, to claim in public that you're a cartoonist. Right. And even people will use that as a slur, not as much as, as back in the day, but to, for somebody, even like our old buddy, Mike Rango was labeled a cartoony. He was a cartoony penciler. Um, you know, he made that work for his, you know, for his stuff. And it was lovely, fantastic, classic work. But, you know, to say that is almost like a dig. Oh, well, he draws cartoony. Right. Going back to your realism thing, Mike. Yeah. So were you, were you not attracted to, I don't know, like Neil Adams or stuff like that as, uh, as a kid, or you like stuff that had more juice or fun cartoony, you know, vibe to it? Yeah. I think I like, I like fun stuff and I didn't really have a lot of access to DC stuff. Like I, seem to get my hands more in Marvel things, the bodega down the street or corner store, as, as a Philadelphian would call it, um, used to have those, uh, sorry, it's my clock, uh, cellophane bag, uh, three uh, bag, three comics with the covers oh, ripped off. <laughs> with the covers ripped off. So I didn't really know who was, you know, the covers of things because I never saw them. And that was a time where I didn't even know there were comic book stores. Like there was nobody around me who talked about comic books or read comic books or would go downtown to Fat Jack's. I didn't know there was a comic book store until I was in high school. So, really? so uncles or aunts or cousins or nobody. No, my, you know what? My mother used to tell me she used to read comic books. This was before I was around. And she said she really liked Thor, and she read a lot of Thor comic books, but her mother, my grandmother, threw them away. Wow. wow. So, I, you know, I was kind of ignorant to the idea of that there were different people doing, you know, the same character uh, over time. So, like, my buddy Charlie later was a big fan of artists, and he was telling me about names. I didn't know who these people were, and this is going back to, like, maybe the mid 80s um you know and he would talk about uh sylvester's x-men run you know and my very first and i can remember this and i, I don't want to get too far off of the subject but when i started collecting comics i remember i think it might have been the gi joe because i was really into the cartoon and there's a lot of people my age even like our buddy will rosado who we just did a pencil shavings interview with that's on our uh, website grew up with G.I. Joe and he's, he's drawn G.I. Joe for a long time. Um, I connected to that because I like the toys. So I was like, wow, they make comics too. <laughs> wow. so, so I kind of started there. And then I think I, like X-Men 205, I think was that the, uh, I, it was one of those that uh, Barry Windsor Smith kind of guest okay. illustrated. And I was like, yo, this is amazing. And that was kind of, I was off to the races. So I learned about Kirby really late. You know, I learned about Steranko really late. Um, and kind of here I am. So I'm a comic strip guy. Um, well, I guess that's what was most accessible to you. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. I had a similar thing with the, 
buying the comic. There was two places that could buy the comics. One was like your place, a little place down the street that sold the comics with the covers ripped off. Or if we went to Kresge or the supermarket or drugstore, they would have comics in there that did not have the covers ripped off. And in fact, the Midwest guys will know this who are around my age or older, there used to be like a, a bubblegum machine, basically kind of thing with a comic inside and you'd put your oh, money wow. in the slot and you, and the comic would come out. So you would see like, Oh, there's that Superman. That's the one I want. And I get my dad to put money in. What? That's not the comic I want. And That's not the comic I want. And you put money until you maybe you know that's the one that was on the top whatever so it was very it was very weird but i i uh uh, uh i think it's it's interesting that so your taste was basically formed by what you saw the easiest wow i never thought of it like that yeah yeah you're right like what would you have liked if you had only seen you know i don't know uh uh you know, National Lampoon cartoons or something, or, or you'd only seen, you know, uh, you hadn't seen newspaper strips. You'd only seen comic books. Well, we talked about Mad Magazine a little bit, and I didn't, I wasn't into that either. Like, I, you know, had access to that stuff, but I never really liked toilet humor or things like that. Not like a, like some sort of prude or something. I just don't find it funny, you know, like, you know, crack magazine, the dude's got his finger up his nose, just like, okay. I didn't, you know, was it like, ew, that's funny slash gross. That's cool. I never found that cool. But I do but remember- you do laugh at fart jokes. <laughs> Your fart joke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I do remember having strong reactions when I picked up a mad magazine. This is uh, Antonio Prohey. This is Spy versus mm-hmm. Spy. I love Spy versus Spy. So again, I guess there it is. There's there's the strip element again, you know. Also, like the mastery of telling a story with no dialogue. You know, all the spy first spy strips were silent. Um, I just thought that stuff was great. Um, not even like I had a couple of buddies that were really into Don Martin. Um, I love Sergio's um, sidebar cartoons. Yeah, I'm a cartoonist. I I like car- I like bouncy, fun, juicy cartoon stuff. I guess that's just where it is. Well, I think the one of the great strengths of Mad was that it had a it had a large variety of styles of cartooning. Mm-hmm. So you had like Don Martin, and then you had you know Spy versus Spy, mm-hmm. and then you had Drucker doing stuff, and then you had Jack Davis doing stuff. So you had a real you know Angelo Torres or George Woodbridge mm-hmm. or Dave Berg. I mean, you had a lot of styles in there. So I think you could sort of be a kid who just really liked one or two styles. Like, oh, I really like, you know, Don Martin. They're like kids in school used to love Don Martin. They used to have the little paperback reprints and stuff like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that um, the world in a way is poorer in its taste because people don't get as exposed to a lot of different things as they did just in as by the fact that if you like something now, we put this on YouTube and you like this, it'll say, oh, here's these other podcasts that are like this. Mm-hmm. You don't randomly find mm-hmm. through searching 
on your mm -hmm. own. Mm -hmm. And while you do that, you are exposed to other things. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's, it's a real, uh, it's a real sad thing to me that, that, that things like mad magazine don't exist anymore or heavy metal. Well, I guess heavy metal is still coming back, but, mm -hmm. um, yeah, oh, I mean, oh, especially Mike, I, just for the profession of cartooning. I forgot to add uh, Jack Davis. And I think I saw more Jack Davis art because he was doing so much commercial stuff at the at the same time, especially in the 70s. Like he was on TV guide covers all the time or movie posters like, oh, the, yeah, like the Mad, 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 Mad World poster is amazing. And you just get lost in that stuff. Um, and, you know, his. He, like his caricature work was so good and his big feet cartooning was so good. And then you, you know, finish it off with, you know, his color work. Oh, <laughs> man. So good. Do you, Mike, do you remember when I went to, uh, I think I was in Atlanta um, for, I, I was, I was on tour and in the airport, they had cut out Jack Davis standees. Did I, I think I oh, put right, on Facebook, yeah. and it was all. This is kind of pre-pandemic. It was all about hygiene. Like I think the air, the airport commissioner, whoever paid Jack Davis to illustrate these cutouts to put all over the airport about, uh, you know, covering your your face when you sneeze and washing your hands. <laughs> I really wanted to just grab one of those and run and jump. Yeah, run. <laughs> but. Uh, so, Mike, do you want to uh, take a stab at Vincent's question before I go to some more? Uh, and, and his question is like, what were your influences? I would say my major influences before, let's say, I moved to Ann Arbor and started going to the comic book store mm -hmm. were probably like Chuck Jones or Maurice Noble, mm -hmm. those Warner Brothers cartoons, the Hanna-Barbera stuff. In Mad Magazine, I used mm. to love Mad Magazine. Um, and then when I moved to Ann Arbor, and I started going to the comic books and Kirby, because I think Kirby was probably the first comic book book artist that I remember. I think I talked about this the last time because mm. he was doing the Jimmy Olsen stuff at the time, mm. and I got a couple issues of that where he was uh, fighting those giant forearmed monsters, and I was like, "Wow, Superman's fighting these like." really cool monsters so i would say kirby was probably the first i was aware of his name mm -hmm. and then probably around 14 15 it was probably uh neil adams he was like my god there for mm. my teen years you know but i also you know i loved jumpy sema i mean i loved all the marvel the marvel guys and then mm. another guy um, a lot of people probably don't know is uh, Russ Heath because mm -hmm. we used to go. I, in fact, I remember I was going to write Russ a letter, but unfortunately he passed away before I I wrote it, and I really regret it. But we would go to Canada to Ipawash Beach, which is across the Blue Water Bridge, and there was a little place there that sold hamburgers and whatever, but they sold comics. Hmm. And I got this issue of Sergeant Rock which was drawn by Russ Heath hmm. that was like probably the most pivotal moment maybe for me as a kid reading comics 
because there's a story where these sol soldiers of Easy Company are carrying a wounded soldier in the snow. Mm. And then you're being chased by the Germans and the guy's on the stretcher and there's a bottom of plasma and the bullet goes through and then there's like blood on the snow. And Heath was so, that's, I remember that story today, just like I remember it in like 1971, that story so influenced me. Mm. And so when I think back, I realize that, yeah, the Russ Heath was probably a big influence on me or that specific story was such a big influence on me as a kid. And so then, you know, you find Frazetta, you know, like I said, all the probably Frazetta, mm -hmm. Mobius, mm -hmm. you know, there was certain artists. So like it was probably first it was Jones and Drucker uh, and the Hanna-Barbera shows. And then later on, it was like Kirby and Adams. Mm -hmm. Then it was Frazetta and then it was Mobius. You and, know. and Jamar Nicholas. And Jamar Nicholas last week. <laughs> last week it was Jamar Nicholas. And I go, who's this guy? Jamar Nicholas. Um, so yeah, yeah. And then the, you know, there's there are a lot of artists along the way, or people you realize later on. Oh yeah, that mm -hmm. that influenced me. There's things that influence you that you're aware of, and then there's things that sort of influence you that maybe like, oh yeah, you know, I didn't I didn't really now that mm -hmm. I think about it, mm -hmm. you know. Like you don't draw Gary Trudeau eyes, but no. you know it's, there it's, was something about that that's that's in there. Mm -hmm. And his line, in the way, like uh, I would say that if I look at your work and I see his that line, or like the line of somebody like Walt Kelly, mm -hmm. very thick, thin, cartoony, a real calligraphic mm -hmm. line. I can see that influence in your work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, oh, I appreciate that. Um, Next question, our good friend JRD says, do y'all think an artist like Ringo or Parabek could be successful today in mainstream comics? Uh, I think Mike could. I, I think Parabek could. Again, it's the artists on the right project, right? Mm -hmm. If you put those guys on Batman, maybe the fans would go, no, I don't, I don't like that feel. You know, I don't like that look, you know. Mm -hmm. um, it's like casting. It's like I always say it's like casting for a movie. It's like mm -hmm. some, some people are good at playing a heavy. Some people are good at comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, some people go against type, you know. Um, mm -hmm. And people go, oh, I didn't know Tom Hanks could be a bad guy. So I think that that's kind of like that. I think that uh, uh, there's probably more styles now. Mm -hmm. than there was in the 90s. In the 90s, if you didn't kind of have that pseudo-image style, there was a lot of pressure, I can tell you, when I was at Marvel, when certain guys were doing stuff like Todd or Jim or Rob doing stuff, and those books were selling, the editors would be like, well, <laughs> let's try to get some of that on, on this. Mm -hmm. uh, and so yeah, I, I think that they could be successful if they were working on a, a, the right project. Um, you know, mm -hmm. I think so. They're both very talented. Mike, yeah, and I mean, and just the fact that, and it's kind of hard to believe that Mike's been going for like over ten years already. Yeah, but it, you know, there's such, like you said, such a a, a wide berth of 
cartooning styles now in mainstream comics. Like, I don't think you would ever have seen a Squirrel Girl comic, you know, in the Marvel lineup. Well, you did. It was by Steve Ditko. Well, yeah, going, yeah. What the? Yeah, but the style is totally not, you know, the Ditko style. It's, you know, it's kind of like a fresh web comics type style. Um, so I think, and also like, um, I forgot my train of thought. I was going to say something. That doesn't, it doesn't matter. I'll come back to it. Um, okay. I have another one from our good friend, Lynn Sipsy. Hey, Lynn. Uh, before all this pandemic business, what was your studio schedule like? Do you have any rituals? How has the lockdown changed things? It's a good question, Lynn. Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll do that one. I can really say for myself and maybe for some of my cartoonist colleagues that not much has changed. If you are at home in the studio working every day, it's kind of still the same thing is happening. I think what may be a difference is if they if the cartoons have families now you have a house full of people <laughs> while you're while you're trying to do your uh, work, which has I'm sure has its own challenges. Um, trying to you know raise and school your children from the other room while you still have deadlines, and also have quality time with your family while you also have deadlines. And just can you like come in here for a second? Like you've been in there all day while you have deadlines. I'm sure it's its own challenges, but I think the the crux of what we do hasn't changed much. Um, as far as rituals are concerned, um, and Mike can probably speak to this well because you're always you're always in the chair, Mike. <laughs> I'm always right. Here. He's right there. Yeah, I'm always right here. Uh, if I cut the camera off and back on it for the morning, he'd still be in the chair. What you would see is this. <laughs> you'd see this. It's the same top spot. Of, the top of the head show with the Mike top of the head show, right? Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the rituals are, I know for me, is trying to, I'm, Mike and I have totally different things. And uh, I wind up doing mo most of my work at night uh, when I come home from the day job. And then I just have things in the middle. I don't really get started until probably like 10 o'clock. And then I kind of put in a, a couple of hours and then I crash. Oh, it's 11 o'clock bedtime. <gasps> Yawn. <laughs> you know, it is the million times, Mike, where I would come over to the studio at your place and go, yeah, I got to go. You're like, what? You just got here. <laughs> it's only 2.30. I was like, it's 3 in the morning, bro. I got to go. It's time to go to the diner. It's time to drink 17 cups of coffee. I was like, I got to get on the road before the cops start profiling. Yeah, me. you're always worried that you're going to get pulled over. <laughs> What's that guy? That guy looks like a cartoonist. Better pull him over. Boop, 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 boop. What are you doing at Upper Derby? Uh, I was at Mike Maley's house. Not that guy. Arrest him. Cuff him, Jack. Uh, Mike, what about you? Uh, it's funny. We were talking. I was uh, doing a talk last night uh, for class at FIT, and this same thing came up, same subject. Mm. I would say for me, it's not really different other than, you know, Liang, my assistant, one of my assistants, come over and work in the studio. So we have to work remotely. I have to send her uh, send her the stuff over the internet. Um, so that's a little bit different as far as like having to to. I can't just hand her the drawing 
yeah. then if she has a question, come yeah. over and go, what about this tree or what about this yeah. person here or what about that, right? So it's a little mm -hmm. bit different. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, we're pretty fortunate in that our, our jobs, most artists' jobs who work at home, really not that different. I mean, the same mm -hmm. people are in the house, or maybe one person less is in the house. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I can't really say that's impacted me. I suppose the stress of this whole thing, like, you know, several times a day, I take a, I take, we'll take a break, and I read the newspaper i read the washington post i read the new york times i read the philadelphia inquirer i might listen to npr i might watch uh i might watch uh well i don't watch the president talk anymore but mm -hmm. I, I will watch uh governor cuomo so you try to get the news you kind of go like well, what's going on today um you know uh you got to order your food you've got i try not to go to the to the store um so there's sort of like, you know, you check in on your parents or your friends. How's everybody doing? So, yeah. So I guess there's like a an extra layer of tension on things that pulls at your energy to yeah. some degree. Yeah. You're sort of distracted, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, somebody, you know, like nobody can come over. Nobody can, you know, if you go somewhere, like I just ordered dinner, you know, we got to clean the box the guy's got to leave it outside so there's like these extra little protocols that you have to go through but i would say for most artists it's probably not that much of a difference like i suppose if like if i had kids and they were home all day yeah. i would just say go watch more tv <laughs> watch all the tv that you want you know um mm -hmm. but uh i don't know most of the guys, like I, Al had kids and uh, Brett had kids, and they didn't seem to have any problem when there were kids were home. So, um, yeah, you just have to you just have to deal with it. What are you going to do? Uh, there is. Oh, oh, did you want to talk about the books? You were, oh, you're saying that. No, well, we'll All save right. it. We'll save that for next Wednesday. Okay. Uh, we should I, start. Got my, I got my books. <laughs> yeah, we had a whole thing planned, but this was fun. We have we have, we have millions and millions of hours of content. So I hope you enjoy listening to our voices. Um, real quick, Mike, I want to go way back in the stream here. And when we were talking about tech, uh, stunning Steve Conley said, when Starenko and I worked on that ver my first cover of my comic back in 98, 98. We mailed a forty eighteen ninety eight. We mailed a forty four megabyte SideQuest disc back and forth. Oh my mail. god! Amazed every time the just mailed disc would work. Man, you're rolling the dice there, Steve. That's wild. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm I'm scrolling through the comments, guys. We're going to start wrapping this up. If anybody has any last questions for Mike or myself. Uh, feel free to ask, and I'm going to go through some stuff, and I'm going to give away some Clip Studio Pro. How's that sound? Uh, again, you guys have been watching the Pencil to Pencil podcast. I'm Jamar. That's Mike. We make the world smile, um, and we are <laughs> we are brought to you tonight. <laughs> That's not like a dentist <laughs> by Pencil to, by uh, Clip Studio Paint. Uh, with that said. Um, I have some software to give away. So um, earlier, da, 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 da. We, have left, have right? a, we need to have a little. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'll have the uh, my ray gun. 
<laughs> oh no. Um, last week uh, I put on our pencil to pencil Facebook page that we were going to run a contest for April, right? It's April. Uh, that we were going to give away some software to um, some luck, two lucky winners uh, who uh, gave comments in that particular post. Uh, we didn't get a lot of responses. I don't know if people think like we're joking, <laughs> like, like this isn't real. But it's right up there. It says yeah. right there, sponsored by. Yeah, it's real. This is real stuff. And I think you know maybe Mike just. For things being on Facebook, I think people kind of like double take because everybody's streaming something on live. So, you know, I think it might make people t pause and just have to disbelieve that things are what they think they are. But nevertheless, uh, I felt from the kindness of our hearts, we would give everybody a copy of Clip Studio Paint who uh, commented. So okay, not just every, just not just everybody. Well, everybody, not everybody, everybody on Facebook just, gets a copy of Club Studio Paint. Just these three people. So, oh, March, it's April. Our April pro winners, my fault, is Lynn Sipsy, Ryan Bross, and Jess Grizzell. Congratulations! Yeah, you. Um, so you guys can just DM me, and um, I'll get information from you, and I'll have my contacts at Clip Studio reach out to you. Congratulations on your new careers as comic book creators. Um, Welcome to the Matrix. So, yeah, congratulations, you guys. Um, and we'll be doing another giveaway in May. Uh, hope to see some more people uh, join in. And also what Mike and I have been saying for a while is these things work incredibly well when we have comments and questions from you guys. So rather than kind of waiting and maybe hitting us up while we're live, you could always uh, message us and say, hey, you know, it'd be great if you covered blah, blah, blah. Or I have a question about so-and-so when Mike and I can prepare for it and give you like really good cogent answers, if that makes sense. Um, what? I know, man. I, I'm a wordsmith. Uh, so, yeah. So let's talk real quick, Mike, as we wrap it up um, about who we have coming up next on our interview queue. Okay. You want to? Yeah. You you want to break the news? Or you want me to break the news? <laughs> um, so yeah, now going along with uh, somebody in one of our last uh, broadcasts, threw out a couple of names for people that they would love to see us interview. Uh, so one of them, uh, I think we're going to do. So uh, we're going to have Cheeks on this weekend. Uh, Sean Galloway, uh, uh, incredible character designer. Uh, is going to join us uh, here live on Saturday. Is that right, Mike? That's right, Saturday. Saturday, uh, 5 o'clock uh, Eastern. Or no, 5, 5 o'clock Western. Yeah, so it's going 8 to be 8 o'clock Eastern time. 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. on Saturday. Please join us. This is going to be a great interview. Um, also, a uh, good pal of mine and stop motion animator, Musay Brooker, is going to join us soon. Uh, Mike, can we talk about anybody else we have in the wings? Or well, we uh, 
I've uh, just talked to him yesterday and confirmed. So Bill Ray will probably be on, I think, next Wednesday. Oh, very cool. We're filling up. <laughs> we'll have Bill Ray on. And again, like Jamar said, you know, this show uh, gets better with your participation. We, you know, we want to try to talk to and interview the people that you are also interested in uh, as, uh, as artists. And we like to have a variety of, of people, animators, uh, comic book people and comic strip people. And to me, I mean, that's why I came up with the name pencil to pencil. Everybody draws. Mm -hmm. We all have different, uh, uh, cool, awesome projects and, and careers. And uh, I think that they all kind of intersect to us, uh, a great degree because mm -hmm. I don't know an animator who really didn't like comics and just like we were talking to Chris uh, last week, uh, guys in comics want to get an animation and people in animation want to do their own or do do their own comics. So um, I think it's a it's a it's really a great time where all this stuff is cross pollinating even probably even more than it did mm -hmm. 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. We're in a weird renaissance right now. <laughs> a pandemic renaissance. Um, so, uh, a couple last words and then we're going to wrap. Oh, and speaking of pencil to pencil, uh, hopefully you guys have gone to our other outlets, iTunes, Stitcher, and our website, pencil to pencil.com. Um, in between uploading our new, uh, episodes, um, that our good buddy, stunning Steve Conley has been uh, gracious enough to help us get onto the web. Um, I also snuck in a, a interview that Mike and I did with our good friend Will Rosado back at Baltimore Comic Con last year. All um, right, yeah, yeah, and I have dubbed that Mike. I hope you like this pencil shavings. Yeah. <laughs> so the pencil shavings episodes are like bite-sized interviews or vignette, vignettes that we do that are under half an hour. So it seems like our mark that we've been hitting with these live podcasts are always like around an hour and 20 minutes. I think that's a perfect time for other creatives that are in the lab and they just want to put some background noise on. That's why they're so long. That's why we just kind of keep kicking it until this time because, you know, you want to get comfortable, get to the meat of something and, you know, want to just kind of let this ride out while you're working. The worst thing I, I hate doing is having to keep trying to change my thing in the background because the thing ran out or this podcast I was really looking forward to listening to was only 30 minutes. What am I supposed to do with a 30 minute podcast? Um, especially you know, half of you guys aren't driving to work right now. So sit down and listen to us. So, Mike, do you have any last words before I sign us out? Uh, oh, well, I can kind of – I'll have this – I'll maybe be able to finish this later today. Mm -hmm. uh, I was working on this Hulk. Oh, oh wow, that's Wolverine cool. drawing of the first meeting of the Hulk and Wolverine. Oh, from that classic from issue. That, from that classic issue. So I thought I would draw – try to draw something while we were – while we were yakking. Oh, that's so I'll finish this up. Uh, I'll, I don't know if I can do it tonight because i got to finish the, mm -hmm. the script, but I'll mm -hmm. try to finish it in the next day or so and then put it up on my Instagram. Oh, very cool. Oh, hold on, Mike. We have one last thing here. My buddy Jim McGrath says, would you consider having viewers share a favorite comic page and then discuss it? 
Sure. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, yeah, let's try to figure out how we can make that work. So, Jim, if you want to get in touch with me, we can try to work that out. <laughs> he also says, whoa, cool Hulk. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, um, that might be something that would work good on the message board where people could load up the thing. Mm -hmm. And then later on, we could talk about it on the podcast because mm -hmm. then we'd have time to, to uh, form our thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're both doing really well at kind of flying by the seat of our pants, but we don't want to have to do this every time. Yeah. My uh, pants are getting very thin. <laughs> and just for you guys, I haven't figured this out yet. We're live Wednesdays and weekends. So we're always going to be here as long as we can do it, Wednesday evenings and then Saturday if we can do it. And it matches up with our guests Saturday evening. So put it on your calendars. Um, I'm Jamar Nicholas. You can find me on Facebook because that's how half of you guys are watching this. Um, also on Twitter at Jamar Nicholas, Instagram, Jamar.Nicholas, and also JamarNicholas.com. Mike, where can they find you? Uh, JamarNicholas.com. <laughs> I've been hacked. Uh, you can find me at uh, DrawManly on Instagram. Uh, you can find me at Drawman on Twitter. You can also find me here on Facebook. And uh, I mean, if you just type in Mike Manley, I'm all over the web. <laughs> Google Google knows all my thing, but but mostly uh, Facebook and Instagram and, and Twitter. I'm not super Twittery, you know, like some people will Twitter like every five seconds, but yeah, you know, I, I like uh, I like to look at art the most. So I, I, uh, I still, I'm trying to use Twitter more, but so that's where that's where I I will be, and, and in this chair forever. And also, guys, this is another plug for you all to like and follow us on our Facebook page. That's the only way I'm going to give out any Clip Studio software. You got to be on there to win. You got to be in it to win it. And this is just going to get more exciting, and we're going to try to do bigger and better things as we move forward. So thank you guys so much for joining us tonight. We'll be back here Saturday evening with Sean Galloway. Uh, tell your friends it's going to be a great ride. So yeah, and if you have questions for Sean, put them in early. It'll yeah. that'll, that'll plus out a lot. Yeah, that's probably going to fill up, and I can't guarantee I can get to your questions if you're just showing up at the <laughs> at the gate <laughs> with the sign. So, <laughs> so thank you guys so much, um, and we'll see you on Saturday. Have a great night. Wash your hands and don't be racist. We'll see you next night. Time. Night. <laughs>